I don't know about you, but having someone call me their dad has never really been a turn on. Hello everybody and welcome back to Witch Fix. I apologise if you can hear a sort of high-pitched drone in the background because someone near me is doing the longest and most annoying construction project known to man. But uh, I feel like we can all block that out for the next 10 minutes or so to get into this. Uh, this is, of course, Wicker, uh, book series, book eight, and it is Changeling by Kate Tiernan. Occasionally you read a book and you come to the end of it and you're just like, Oh, I feel dumber for having read that. And this is one of those ones. I feel like this series has declined quite steeply in quality or possibly it has maintained the same level of quality, but I'm now enjoying them less. So I'm giving them less leeway on how annoying they are to me. But anywho, after the events of the last book, um, Morgan, the main character of the series, now knows that her father is Kieran, this ultra powerful dark wizard witch man i think he's called a witch um who is a member of the evil coven who is draining people's powers and also summoning the dark wave to destroy other people's covens to gain their power and knowledge for themselves that basically is the core premise of this book is that the council of witches wants her to essentially spy on kieran by getting close to him using their father-daughter relationship and they want to get her to do this because in about two weeks time from the start of the book apparently the dark wave is slated to destroy star locket which is the local coven in widow's something widow's veil whatever where morgan happens to live and although it's not her coven she is friendly with quite a lot of the people in it and she doesn't want them to be killed horribly by a wave of demons which is fair enough the general comments that I saw about this one before I read it talked a lot about how it involves Morgan kind of feeling the push-pull between her evil and good nature um, based on the fact that she's found out that her father is actually like a murderer. I didn't get a huge amount of that from this. Um, she does occasionally have a little woe is me moment but it kind of reads like the writers just remember to put that in and it's not like a continuous thing throughout the most of the book she functions as she normally does which is as an annoying teenage girl there's also uh, a lot of people were quite critical about how she's showing this evil nature um in their reviews they talked about how she's you know neglecting her schoolwork and out partying but really that the partying is just her getting to know her half-brother who is kind of her in to get to her biological father and her not doing our homework is basically just because she's responsible for saving the lives of quite a lot of people and only has about two weeks to do it so obviously some schoolwork gets forgotten about and I didn't really care that much to be honest. Uh, also a major plot event from the previous book is that she broke up with Hunter because who fucking knows why apparently because she was evil and she was worried about tainting him with her evilness but basically for the sake of drama uh this book basically pulls all those threads together and she's trying to get close to her father for the whole thing and trying to work out what it is he's going to be doing unfortunately there isn't a lot of action it's quite repetitive she gets together with killian who's her half brother they party a bit with some of her friends she feels guilty she remembers to say hey can i talk to dad at some point can you like get him to come here to see me 
this cycle repeats itself about three times and then dad actually shows up there are various meets and conversations in coffee shops and then we get to the actual climax of the book which is only about five pages long the climax was actually quite interesting there were some ideas coming up which i found uh, added to the story in some ways for example we've known from the previous book that amaranth the evil coven they have the ability to shapeshift into animals and morgan's father reveals to her how this is done and how she can do it herself and it's sort of part of the climactic action sequence is that she becomes a wolf and is forced to choose between being good and being evil Another concept is introduced about true names. If you know the true name of something, you can command it uh, and make it do your bidding. And this is illustrated by Killian. He knows the true name of uh, a species of like hawk and he can therefore call a hawk down from the sky and sit on his make it sit on his arm like a tame one, even though it's not. Morgan, at the end of the book, knows her father's true name because he says it during the incantation to turn into a wolf and she somehow knows which bit of it is his true name because I guess she's just amazing and special. So she's now torn on whether she should give that information to the council so that they can help use it to like track him down or to keep it to herself because she doesn't want it used to subjugate him. Overall, it wasn't one of the most interesting books. Uh, not a huge amount going on drama-wise with Morgan up until the end point. The effort to kind of portray inner turmoil wasn't great. Uh, and I was left being a little bit bored by some of it. Also, Morgan's family aren't around because her parents have gone off on a cruise and her sister is staying with some friends so they're not there to you know be all catholic and disapproving so that kind of cuts out quite a large piece of the drama morgan's experiencing at home so we don't get a lot of that either uh, i'm going to include a trigger warning because things to do with sexual assault which occurred in previous books are mentioned in this one but aside from that there isn't a huge amount to warn for. The only really interesting new thing that was introduced sort of throughout the book was a new voice at the beginning of the chapters. As in other books, we have sections from another character's point of view before chapters. Some of these were quite long. They were like two pages. Some of them were short. They were like a paragraph. And they were from the perspective of Brother Sinister's Tor, um, Cistercian monk in a letter to his brother Colin, also a monk, September 1767, is the first one. And then all of the others are him writing to his brother Colin, except for a final one, which is written by someone he knew after his death. And through these entries, we learn that he has come to uh, a place in Scotland to basically bring Christianity to the pagan heathens and those pagan heathens are woodbanes um, and one of them has the last name Riordan which is the name of Morgan's birth mother and basically this priest guy ends up having a relationship uh, a sexual relationship with one of Morgan's apparent foremothers and through this she becomes pregnant so Morgan is distantly related to this priest guy um, and she can also turn into a wolf so that's quite interesting and it seems like maybe this is going to come into it later um there are quite a few sections in his parts that didn't make a huge amount of sense um and it ends with them burning this riordan at the stake but at the same time the priest dies uh, and has been burned as well so it's sort of like they're linked together and 
maybe that's going to become relevant not really sure a few other things of note that happen is one of the members of Starlock is actually attacked by demons during a coven circle and goes into a coma. Morgan seems to just forget about this. And then at the beginning of one of the chapters, I think it's chapter six, we randomly jump about four days into the future. And Morgan just kind of hastily says, oh, yeah, and all that time I wasn't doing homework and I was just partying with people. But I feel like in a book that struggles to push to 200 pages in a series of books that struggle to make it to 200 pages you can't be cutting days out if you start the book and say there are 11 days until you know the big bad thing happens and we don't even make it to the like the big bad thing happening because it gets called off prior to that you can't just be cutting days out because there's just going to be no content left and it felt weirdly like they couldn't be bothered to fill those days in there's also some drama happening between Sky and Raven. It's kind of like a love triangle brewing, but I'm not really interested in any of those guys. And to be honest, all the romantic stuff is starting to irritate me to the point of boredom. Like I'm so annoyed with it that I'm just rolling my eyes and paging past it because I can't be bothered. There's a particularly dire section which made me both cringe and laugh. And it's on page 98. And basically... Um, Hunter and Morgan having a little moment in his car or her car. I can't remember. This is how much attention I paid. And um, having a little bit of a chat about magic. And then she says, I'll go call Killian. All right, be careful. Call me if you need me. Don't do anything that feels unsafe. I smiled wanly. Yes, Dad. In a move so fast I didn't see it, Hunter was across the seat, his arm around my back holding me against him hard. As I gasped in surprise, he slanted his mouth across mine and kissed me with a hunger and an urgency that rocked me to my core. Yes, yes, yes. Just as suddenly he pulled back, leaving me wide-eyed and breathing fast, and awash in a desire so strong, I didn't know what to do with it. I'm not your dad, he said, looking at me. I don't know about you, but having someone call me their dad has never really been eternal, and this whole section was just very odd. Also, Morgan as a character especially now she's in a relationship with Hunter, is really starting to oscillate between being way too little girly and then in these weird, very adult passages where she's suddenly, like, full of desire and wants to, like, climb Hunter like a tree. And then at other points she's like, I'm just sitting with my kitten wearing my Wonder Woman pants and an old T-shirt and going to sleep because I'm, like, a young teenager and I'm just boring. And it's just, it comes off as wildly inconsistent. And I know that this is like a time when she's like going through puberty and she's in like her first real relationship. I just feel like it's the writing that's making it seem jarring and really odd. There was, however, uh, one bit of wisdom that I quite liked about the book. And to me, it was kind of worth reading the whole thing just because I got to read this paragraph. It's on page 124 and it's Morgan going to church, I think, for one of the first times since she discovered Wicca. I think she went maybe once or twice in the first one or two books. But since then, she's been coming up with excuses not to go. So she goes off to church by herself because she's in need of some solace. My family has been going to St Mary's all my life. It's like attending a family reunion. I had to talk to five people before I even sat down. The thing about Catholicism is it can be comforting. It provides a structure to your life within it. In Wicca, everything is wide open. Choices about good and bad, ideas about how to live your life, ideas about how you celebrate Wicca and all its facets. Nothing is really, truly set in stone. 
which was why individual knowledge is so important, because each witch has to determine all these things for herself. The way I saw Wicca, it was more based on the individual's choices and beliefs and less based on a set of rules. However, along with freedom comes responsibility and the increased possibility of completely screwing up. Which I quite like. It's sort of this difference between a religion being a set of rules that you follow because someone told you to and also religion being a sense of spirituality where you make your own moral decisions and acknowledge that you're responsible for them and for what you're putting out into the world which is quite a nice big idea for a book that is not full of a huge amount of complexity that's quite a good statement to make about wicker and it's definitely something to make you think however it's starting to annoy me again that they're using wicker in a term to mean like fantasy witchcraft and that there isn't really a clear delineation between the two. They just keep kind of throwing all this stuff in and saying like, oh, yes, the great clans of Wicca and all the stuff that was annoying me in the first couple of books that I reviewed. Coupled with the fact that even though at this point people from the council like Hunter and this other lady whose name I'm not even going to try and say because it's Celtic and weird. um, They turn up and they're like, Morgan, you're our only hope. You have to go and talk to your dad and put this secret symbol on him so that we can watch him and also try and find out what his huge evil coven is going to do with all these demons because they're going to murder a bunch of people. But at the same time, they're going, oh, well, you are uninitiated and you shouldn't be doing magic because, you know, you haven't been initiated. So, you know, it's not really right that you do any kind of magic whatsoever, even though she has shown in the past few books that she can do everything the so-called initiated witches are only able to do like uh, making herself invisible and casting spells to summon fire and other things like that and they keep like kind of getting down on her and being like well you shouldn't be able to do that and even if you can you shouldn't do it and it just seems really weird and controlling and strange and it's kind of making me not like hunter who is meant to be her main love interest but is chief among those going oh well i mean poor whittle morgan might hurt herself if she tries to use magic so she better not and just everyone babying her and it's like she's meant to be the main character of the series i'm not amused that eight books in so nearly like half over halfway through the series we've still got people going oh but you know she shouldn't use magic because it's only been like three months it's like, well, she's been doing it. And if she hadn't been doing it, she'd be dead. So maybe we can change the record and stop being so repetitive. I think the reason it annoys me so much is the fact that it kind of mirrors an online attitude. And I think I said this before in like another review for a book earlier in the series of the fact that you're not a real witch unless you've been initiated into a coven, which isn't true. Uh, certain people believe that it's definitely not something that I believe because I'm a practicing solitary as are a lot of people because there just aren't that many covens and being able to work with one is tricky because they might not be the kind of wiki that you're into but they might be the only one around you or they might be older people who you don't get on with or various other reasons but this book is really hammering the point that to be in a coven is what it means to be a real witch and there's a point at the beginning when because they've just broken up morgan doesn't go to one of the circle meetings that they have like every Saturday and Hunter comes to her house and goes you can't miss circle meetings you've made a commitment to be in this coven and it's like they're meeting every single week and they're all in high school and it's like that's a huge commitment and 
if I was younger and reading this and thinking that that's what it meant to be in a coven, that would one, put me off, and two, if that coven then made unreasonable demands of my time, I might think that that was normal because expecting like a 16, 17 year old to give up their like Saturday evening, like five hours of their Saturday evening every single week, even though they have schoolwork to be doing. It just seems incredible and very strange. Fortunately, I'm now over halfway through this uh, through this series of books. I have to say I'm not enjoying them as much as the Circle of Three series, although to be fair, I think around that point in that series, the uh, interest was starting to wane as well. But at least that had like more consistent and interesting characters. Also, these ones spend longer and longer as the series goes on, just telling me what has happened in previous books. And it's like, Unfortunately, I read books one to eight, so you don't need to tell me the first time Brie comes into a scene. Oh, this is my friend Brie. We used to be really close friends, but then in book one we broke up because Cal turned up and was mean. But then when Cal was more mean to me, Brie stepped in and tried to save my life. And then we did this and then we did that. Anyway, here's on with the story now in the current book, as opposed to in the seven previous books that you have just read. And these books all came out in the same two year period. So it's not like I can say, oh, well, I mean, there was five years between each book and people might have forgotten. So obviously the author has to tell you. It's like, bitch, the previous book came out two days ago. Why would I need reminding? I'm not in the greatest frame of mind to be doing this review. It's cut to me, but this book did annoy me. But I am going to get through the next ones. I still need to buy the last three. I think they're on the Amazon wish list. So... I'm working my way towards buying those, but I am trying to space these out because they irritate me just a tiny bit. If you have good things to say about this book or fond memories of reading it as a teenager and you hate me because I'm not Team Hunter or whatever, do get in touch. Do let me know if you plan on reading these or if you have read them or know someone who's read them and what you think about them. And anything else you might want to recommend like another teen series because I'm done with Circle of Three at time of recording and I'm halfway through these so I do need a long long running series to replace them in my reading pile so let me know you can get in touch in the usual ways Twitter which is at witchfix or you can get in touch via email which is witchfixpodcast at gmail.com and as always you can donate to the Patreon using the link in the description box I'll see you in the next episode, and in the meantime, you can enjoy the backlog on YouTube or on CastBox. Bye!